Sony. Good afternoon, Canada. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. Today's date is May 26th, 2021. It is Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC with uh, fewer restrictions. Fantastic news. And uh, we've got some good news on that front here in Saskatchewan as well. All right, Canada, we've got some new listeners to the show. We want to welcome you all to 45 minutes of unedited, unscripted, and sometimes unhinged commentary on Canada's issues. So on the show tonight, Prairie Fire. No, not the alcoholic beverage. We'll talk a little bit about the Constitution. Are Lewis and Tony really conspiracy theorists? Is Aaron O'Toole really a misogynist pig, purveyor of the patriarchal hierarchy? And more. Where do you want to start, sir? Oh, let's start with Aaron O'Toole. Let's start with Aaron O'Toole, that absolute misogynist pig that he is. And I say that facetiously, of course, because I don't believe that he is. But this is the state of the mainstream media in Canada. This is how slow a news week they had that Aaron O'Toole went for a run on the weekend and decided to tweet about it because I guess he must have felt good. And, you know, sometimes I feel good after a run too. It's been a while since I have, so maybe I should get out again. So Aaron O'Toole comes back from his run. His wife brings him a beer and he tweets about it. Went for a run. My wife brought me a beer. Is that a crime, Lewis? Yeah, that sounds like a good marriage. Yeah, but um, apparently what it also sounds like is Aaron O'Toole is a sexist. Why did he have to get his wife to get him a beer? Why couldn't he get his own beer? Oh, my and God. I, and, of course, then, then I have to ask, are you serious right now? But that actually made the news that Aaron O'Toole's wife brought him a beer. What's, what's wrong with him? So Mr. O'Toole, ever the apologist, decided he'd best tweet out a picture of him bringing his wife a glass of wine. Equality, after all. <laughs> I don't well, know a bigger non-story ever. Yeah, no, I mean, this is... It just goes to show the bias of Canadian media and how they... I mean, we've got we've got a prime minister who's actually done uh, sexist things, and they barely mention it. But the conservative leader uh, has a good marriage, and his wife loves him and brings him a beer when he gets back from a run. And good God, he's a misogynist pig yeah <laughs> yeah and you know I'm, I'm i hearken back to when stephen harper was prime minister and you'll remember this lewis there was uh i think it was a g20 meeting where they were posing for photos and stephen harper got photoshopped in because he for the crime of running to the bathroom and because he was the way they photoshopped his picture in and that was a news story for at least a week Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And I mean, it's 
this is what I, I have said this many, many times on this show, and that is Canadians have uh, an extremely high tolerance level, level for liberal corruption, but they have no tolerance whatsoever for a conservative politician. No, absolutely true. I mean, that yeah, is it's it, ridiculous. It, and this kind of media attention to such non-issues and non-stories is it, it just it just proves my point. Oh, it totally does. And just one more point to prove your point. Uh, today was actually the last day in the Senate for Senator Mike Duffy, who, uh, speaking of non-stories, or at least uh, stories not worth the month-long daily media tirade that he got. So um, thank you for your service, Mr. Duffy, and hopefully we never hear your name again. Yeah, um, I... Honestly, didn't know he was still there. You know, I didn't either until I heard this morning that it was his last day. So he certainly <laughs> has kept a low profile. <laughs> yeah, so low. I didn't even know he was there. I thought he was dead. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, those in the Senate, I, I can understand why people would make that mistake, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we'll get into the serious part of the show, or at least the more serious part, prairie fire. Now, when I hear the word prairie fire, because I grew up on the prairies, I think of a shot of tequila with a few shots of Tabasco in it. And I usually get those for people on their birthday. But in this case, prairie fire is the prairies are on fire with COVID. And Manitoba is now taken over from Alberta as the jurisdiction in North America leading in COVID cases. The Manitoba government has actually taken to sending some of their critical care patients to Ontario, to Thunder Bay, Dryden, and other communities in northwestern Ontario. And, and the federal government is even offering them help because they are in such rough shape. Wow. I, uh, I had no idea it was so bad there, but I mean, I think at this point we don't really know why cases are spiking. I mean, I, I, I people claim to know, but they're, they're not. They don't know what they're talking about because I don't think anybody knows what's really causing this, these spikes because, um, I mean, we're coming into... You know, we just had May long weekend and we're, we're heading into June and, and it's warmer out, people are outside, and yet their cases are spiking, and, and that doesn't make sense. And um, I think it also, uh, uh, I, I personally, I think a lot has to be said for lockdowns and how ineffective lockdowns are. And I think that lot, many jurisdictions that have decided to end their lockdowns and then saw that their cases caseloads drop after they end their lockdowns uh, says a lot. Yeah. You know, I'd have to agree with that. And if you want proof of that, all you have to do is look in the middle of the prairies here in Saskatchewan, where our numbers are dropping down and our province is opening back up. In fact, uh, Premier Mo yesterday announced that May 30th, so this coming Sunday, we will be back into 
organize sports again outdoors. So uh, it's a real contrast when you see Manitoba and Alberta are locked down and still on fire. And yet here in Saskatchewan, we're right in between the two and the complete opposite. We're opening up and our cases are dropping and yet we're vaccinating the same number of people. Yeah, if you look at BC, it's the same case as Saskatchewan. Um, I mean, we, as of yesterday, we, we've gone or come out of lockdown, even though our lockdown wasn't really a lockdown. Um, it was just a moratorium, basically, on indoor dining. Um, and we had uh, travel restrictions. But when I saw the kind of numbers that the government was uh, announcing about how many um how many cars are being turned around at the roadblocks and yes we had roadblocks um they were only turning away like five percent of the cars like so people were still traveling in the province as long as they had a valid reason and i put those in air quotes um and it seems that 95% of the people traveling in the province of BC had a valid reason. So we really didn't even have a lockdown. Uh, and our numbers have dropped like by two thirds or more um, in the past month. And it's, uh, whereas Alberta's in like full lockdown and their numbers keep climbing. And, and, and it just, so I, I think that, you know, they keep talking about, you know, I mean, it, it's an old adage, right? That the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And yet it seems that that's what everybody keeps doing. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It's not proving itself to be effective and we've seen jurisdictions in the u.s yes different climate but you looked at the floridas of the world and south dakotas of the world and they had a pretty poor start but they're having a very very strong finish and they're coming out much better for it um ron DeSantis, governor of florida is extremely popular and other governors of even democrat states are now looking over saying hmm uh, kind of looks like we got it right well, and they're talking about DeSantis making a run for president now. I mean, that's how that's how popular yeah, the guy is. That. Yeah, and that's how popular the guy is. And and he didn't. They didn't even have a mask mandate in Florida at all during the entire thing. Yeah, well, that's right. And uh, actually, speaking of that, I want to take a little sidebar here. And for those of you who are newer listeners, the fact that it's taken me ten minutes or more to make my first sidebar. It's pretty darn amazing. So here's my <laughs> sidebar. We've talked about you know, the only way we're getting out of this is to vaccinate. And they're talking about wearing masks. And I was thinking to myself today in preparing for the show, we're a year and a half into COVID. And yes, I'm going to say a year and a half because we know it was here last, the fall of 2019. I haven't been vaccinated. I haven't changed much of my routine. Why am I not dead? Well, because 99% of people survive, <laughs> period. 
I mean, yeah. it's not it's not so great if you're old. I mean, the the number one comorbidity for a uh, factor in people who die with COVID is dementia and uh, uh, Alzheimer's. I mean, that, that says a lot, right? I mean, when the average age of death from COVID is higher than the average age of death, um, and that the majority of people who die from it are dying with Alzheimer's or dementia, I mean, it, it, it says a lot, right? I mean, you're, you're uh, right around coming up on 50 i believe and uh um, soon yeah and you're in uh you're in relatively good shape i mean you you uh you officiate soccer and stuff so you're running around the field and stuff i mean you're you're, you're in relatively good shape I'm, I'm sure you're taking vitamins and and vitamin c and vitamin d and and that and so you're you're at pretty low risk um, I, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now, I've received my first vaccination shot. Uh, I got it on Wednesday of last week. Um, I get my second one in September because apparently four months is okay. Uh, not, although the vaccine manufacturers don't seem to agree with that, but, um, I mean, I got it for. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, we've talked about it on this show, and how we said we were going to wait as long as possible and all this. But you know what? It's a year and a half in. I want to travel. <laughs> I want to go to a concert. I want to go to a hockey game. And my government is talking about. Uh, vaccine passports along with the federal government and so i i know i'm likely not going to have a choice if i want to live a life i'm going to have to get it well you know and that's not a big surprise i mean we also talked about on this show before that neither of us are opposed to getting vaccinated we are not anti-vax and in my situation i just said I'm going to hold out for a virus or a virus, a vaccine that is not just approved for emergency use only. And you've pointed out on the show several times. That's what we're dealing with right now is vaccines that are emergency use only. I'm just waiting for the for the proper human trials. I'm willing to get one because I also want to travel, but I'm willing to wait. Yeah. And but the problem here, Tony, is that you're going to be waiting a long long time and yeah i i agree i mean it's i'm the one who's been making the point on this show that that the vaccines are approved for emergency use only um which is why the vaccine i received is the only one i haven't heard any buddies having like adverse reactions to and that's pfizer um the other ones seem to all have like pretty serious side effects <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I, I, I avoid if, if they were going to give me AstraZeneca, I would have fought my way out of there if I had to, like, that is not one <laughs> I'm taking. And, uh, and Moderna has had some issues and, um, 
but Pfizer is the only one I haven't heard about any serious side effects. So that's the one I made sure I was getting. And um, I mean, the proper human trials, that's what we're doing. Um, we're, we're it. The people who've received the vaccine, like we are, we are the trials, um, unfortunately, but it just happens. I mean, that's just the reality that we're living in right now. And I don't like it, but uh, if if I'm not going to be able to, if, if these vaccines are not approved for, for, uh, for like f- get full approval, um, like proper full approval, then for for until the long term trials are done, well then you know you're not going anywhere for ten years. Well, that's possible, and. I know that there are a couple of Canadian-made vaccines that are now in their stage three human trials. They've done the mice, they've done the ferret, and now they're in human trials. But yeah, who knows how long it's going to take? I may end up going your route if I, you know, get impatient and decide yes, we're going to Mexico again, and we are, but uh, just not for a while. So yeah. Anyway, uh, to wrap up the prairie fire segment. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just saying like it's. I mean, for me, it was, it's just uh, uh, the whole thing where I'm, I really, I really want to travel or go see a concert. And, but the thing is, like the BC government, Adrian Dix, our minister of health, he's talking about vaccine passports. Trudeau is, um, is actually courting other world leaders to join him in getting vaccine passports and he just seems a little too eager for vaccine passports it's like it's 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 a little scary how how eager he is to get them to get them so it really makes you wonder what his um uh ulterior motives are for it yeah and we'll certainly talk about that in our conspiracy theorist section of the show because uh, that will tie in quite nicely with an article you had sent me last week and to wrap up the prairie fire segment there is also a fire trying to attempting to be put out in alberta in the united conservative party now jason kenny is and we've talked about him our, our last few shows how he's just turned into an absolute disaster well, he's had some MLAs speak out against uh, his lockdown measures, so he fired two of them from caucus. Um, MLA Drew Barnes and very notable Todd Lowen, who was actually Mr. Kenny's uh, legislative assistant, are now both independents because they dared to speak up and stand their ground against Jason Kenny. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you, you and I... We've said this on the show before that you and I are we've been big fans of Jason Kenny for years. Like when he was a minister in uh, Stephen Harper's federal government, he was he was far and away the most effective minister in that government. And uh, and we were even at the time we were so impressed with how effective he was as a minister. We thought you know he could be a successor to Stephen Harper, right? And um, Boy, I mean, he has turned into an absolute disappointment as Premier of Alberta. Like, I, I couldn't be more disappointed in, in his performance throughout COVID. Yep, 
Couldn't agree more. And, and I mean, and, and the fact that he's right. like firing people for for disagreeing with him. I mean, it's wow. Like that's not a good look. No, it certainly isn't. And I, uh, I mean, he had a lot of very disparaging words for some people in rural Alberta who were, you know, speaking out against him too, just saying, you know, well, maybe we need to get a new base. Excuse me? Yeah, what was that about? Like, like, I mean, that's that's like really, that's almost like a a, a basket of deplorables comment. Good comparison. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, sad. <laughs> All right, move on and talk about our good friend, the Constitution. Now, I brought up on last week's show, and um, apologies to you, Lewis, that I was unable to make Wednesday, so I ended up going on my own. And I brought up that Francois Legault, Quebec's premier, just decided on his own that Quebec can unilaterally change Canada's Constitution. And that Justin Trudeau said, yeah, okay, he can do that. So I wanted to get your take on this because you've got a rather unique perspective, um, at least for folks in Western Canada, in that your wife is from Quebec, you have family in Quebec, you are fully bilingual. So I just wanted to get your take on Bill 96 and Mr. Legault's assertion that he can just change the Constitution. Well, I think we all know that that's not possible. I mean, I don't care what Justin Trudeau says, you can't do that. I mean, as soon as you open up the Constitution, I mean, it has to be voted on by by um, all the provinces. And you have to receive a majority of the population. Um, like uh, a majority, like the pro- you need enough votes from the provinces to have, I believe, a majority of the provinces as well as a majority of the population of the country represented in those votes to approve any changes to the constitution, which is why the constitution has not been reopened for any kind of uh, changes in, in quite a while, because any time you open it up, you start getting provinces demanding other things be brought into it and other changes brought into it. And that's, and it just becomes a hot mess. And uh, and, and I just, I, I don't understand where this is coming from with Justin Trudeau. I mean, except that he's a moron and doesn't know constitutional law in this country. Uh, but uh, I think that this whole uh, attempt by, by Legault to, or not attempt, but assertion from Legault that, that they can just declare themselves a... a um, is frankly silly. Uh, I mean, Harper, in, in my book, Harper made a mistake, though it did quell separation um, movements in the province of Quebec for a few years. But by declaring Quebec a nation within a nation, I, I thought that was a mistake. Um, and it's... We're, we're kind of seeing some of the repercussions from that declaration. Yeah, I agree. It was a mistake that he did that. And yeah, I'd say we're paying for it now, without question. But then I thought, 
Well, if it's okay for Quebec just to unilaterally change the constitution on in their premise with Bill 96 is, is language, of course, then I thought, well, maybe the nation of Alberta within Canada, perhaps the nation of Alberta can unilaterally change the constitution on, I don't know, firearms rights, for example. Perhaps the nation of Alberta would declare something similar to the, the United States Second Amendment to give its citizens the right to bear arms which shall not be infringed. What would Francois Legault think of that? Or Justin Trudeau? Would he be okay with that? Well, I think we both know the answer to that one. But, I mean, it's, <laughs> the, the thing is, is the, I mean, it, it, it's impossible. It can't be done. And Justin Trudeau, it doesn't matter what he says. He can say, you know, whatever he wants. But constitutional law is constitutional law. You can't bypass it. No, and what's the cynical part of this all is, is that Justin Trudeau is only saying that to kiss up to Legault and pander for Quebec votes. I mean, you're right, he's a moron. I mean, that, that's, that, that's pretty common knowledge. And anybody who listened to this show for the last three years knows that uh, how we feel about Justin Trudeau. And it's, uh, it irks me that this is all about Quebec votes. And there's going to be some dumb Canadians, most of them on the left side of the political spectrum, who will just say, oh, well, he said they can do it, so I'm like, guess they can do it. Wrong. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are going to be people who believe it. And, and they'll call you, you know, all every name in the book for saying that it's not possible. Yeah, that's true. Yep. And uh, I think it was Roy Green who on the weekend who had said that, you know, if Mr. Legault, you know, goes through with Bill 96, and it sounds like he will, that it's just going to end up in the Supreme Court. And I mean, I guess our de facto governor general is still part of that Supreme Court. So yet another conflict of interest if it goes that route. Yeah. When are we getting a governor general, by the way? Within weeks, don't you know? Oh, wait, that was back in January. <laughs> or maybe February. <laughs> But this, yes, government LeBlanc said. this government can't <laughs> do anything right. I mean, they sure can't. <laughs> they couldn't even legalize pot correctly. And I mean, how do you <laughs> not, how do you get that wrong? That they got they haven't done a single thing without screwing it up. Not one thing. And I would dare anybody in Canada to come to us, email us, or, 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 you know, Facebook message us, whatever. I dare you to name one thing that the Trudeau government has done without, without screwing it up or without corruption. Yeah, I got nothing. No, and this isn't no. just partisan. This isn't just partisan, like uh, people saying that they can't find anything. I dare anybody to name one thing, because you won't find it. No, exactly. And one thing, one way to wrap this segment up is on what this was on Roy Green's show. He interviewed Jay Hill, the interim leader of the Maverick Party. And as Lewis has rightly pointed out on this show, the dumbest name for a political party in Canadian history, Maverick Party. Um, 
Jay Hill did say that the, this whole constitution mess with Francois Legault actually plays into Maverick Party policy because his discussion on policy was that the Maverick Party would pursue changes to the constitution if Western Canada did not get what they feel is a fair deal. So I thought he made some good points on that, but I can't get past that dumb name. Yeah, dumbest political party name ever. And their policy of 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 when they're where uh, which ridings they're going to run um, candidates in is the dumbest party policy I've ever heard. Too, I mean, there's just no reason for their existence if they're not going to run uh, candidates in every riding. Nope, that's right. They're going to run only in ridings where the conservative support is so strong that Maverick votes will not stop a conservative from winning. Yeah. So it's basically, it's basically, we don't want to win. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's a real strategy. I'm right. Yeah. Dumbest party (laughs) policy ever. Yep. All right, now let's wrap the show up. We've got about 15 more minutes here to talk about a label that you and I have carried with pride for at least a year and a half now, and that is that we get called conspiracy theorists a lot. And a lot of that is about COVID, and you touched on vaccine passports. Now, you brought this up on the show months ago, last year, I'm sure, that you had talked about COVID passports or vaccine passports would be a reality. And what do you know? The latest polling from Leger indicates that over 60% of Canadians are all in. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah, and you were called a conspiracy theorist when you brought that idea up on this show last year. Yeah, in fact, it was a year ago this month that I brought that up. I'm not surprised by those poll results because Canadians love government intervention. We love government control. And it's, it's really kind of sad, but I'm, it's fully expected. I'm not surprised. Sadly, I'm not either. I'm disappointed, but yeah, I'm not, not surprised either. So here's another one, Lewis. Okay. Bring it. There was discussion, well, it was last summer, I believe, that uh, when Mr. Trudeau suggested Canadians should all download the COVID app for uh, for contact tracing purposes. Oh, yes, and, I do remember that. Yeah, and I know you had a problem with it at the time. And do you remember why you had a problem with that? Yes, because government would have access to your movements. Uh, it's one thing for a private company to have that uh, information, but it's a whole other thing for the government to have that information. Oh, funny you'd say that because I just read this article last week in the National Post, which said, (laughs) you're going to be surprised to hear this, my friend, that Justin Trudeau admitted that the COVID app did indeed track the personal information of Canadians, you conspiracy theorist, you. Wow. I was, and I was called a conspiracy theorist over that uh, prediction as well. Um, I mean, 
they they even ran articles last year saying, "Oh, it's not going to uh, uh, it's not going to track your personal information. It's not even going to know who you are. It's just it's just going to uh, it's just for uh, tracking for like contact tracing and." that your own identification would not be recorded. But apparently that wasn't true. And I think I remember saying it wouldn't, that it wasn't true. Yep. Now I'm actually somewhat unnerved when the article said the government did not disclose exactly what personal data was taken by the COVID app. Boy, am I glad I didn't download it. Oh, I I think I remember saying I would actually ditch my phone before I downloaded it. So I mean, I'm glad that uh, it was never made mandatory. Oh, for sure. And this isn't the biggest. Well, actually, this probably is the biggest conspiracy theory that uh, we were accused of, and that is the virus itself. Now, I had to look back in the archives, and I actually did a show. Again, in May of last year, I did a rant about the the COVID virus. And as it turns out, in that rant, I discussed how the U.S. military had looked at cell phone pings in the area of the Wuhan Virology Lab. And I'm stressing that for a reason, that the lab was cordoned off. There were no cell phone pings in the immediate area around the lab because there was concerns about the COVID virus. That same virus that we were told, no, 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 that did not come from a lab. It came from bats. It came from the Wuhan wet market. Well, it turns out that the media now has caught up to where you and I were last year, saying that, oh, it appears that that virus may actually have come from the Wuhan virology lab where they actually were studying gain-of-function testing to make that virus more dangerous. How about that? Yeah, and I think I remember talking about it on the show where I said I had been listening to a, uh, uh, a, uh, oh, uh, a biologist, an evolutionary biologist by the name of Brett Weinstein, who he... Uh, was talking uh, about the fact that this virus had characteristics that couldn't possibly be natural. Uh, that he has seen it under a microscope, and under the microscope, you can see that it had been manipulated by, uh, like, in a lab because it just it had these characteristics that just don't happen naturally. He also talked about how a virus does not jump from an animal to a human and then spread throughout the world in a matter of weeks. It doesn't happen. That has never happened in, in nature. And it it has, and it's not about to start now. It it actually breaks all virology rules that the, like a virus needs time to adapt to be able to jump. Once it has jumped to a human, it takes it could take up to a decade before it figures out how to jump 
to other humans and to spread really quickly. It, it doesn't just happen at the snap of a finger. It, it, it's something that takes a long, long time. And the fact that it's as contagious as it is. There's... Yeah, I think I remember you actually having uh, discussing that on the show now that you think about it. So then yeah. I, uh, I had to say to myself, if it, it did indeed, as it seems to be now that the case did indeed come from a lab in Wuhan, could we then not call it the Wuhan virus? Well, if you go by the by the way they've named uh, previous uh, epidemic and pandemic viruses, uh, yes, yeah, exactly. And uh, we were called all kinds of names for using the terms Wuhan virus. Yeah, but that's where it came from, folks. And gosh darn it, we were right again when we were called conspiracy theorists because it looks like now it actually did come from the Wuhan virology lab and yeah you're right Lewis it did spread like wildfire instantly before we really learned anything about it yeah and that's and that's what they're that's one of the big the big uh, flags that epidemiologists virologists and evolutionary biologists all like that are not on government payrolls are, are agreeing that, you know, th- this thing can't be a natural virus. It just can't be, it breaks all the rules. And, and the thing is, is that, I mean, we were called some nasty names for even suggesting that we, I, you know, I mean, I was even called a racist <laughs> and, and it's, it's like, uh, it's not racist when it's true. Like this is this. It's not racist to suggest that China inflicted the world with this virus. They did. They totally did. And um, you actually just reminded me that you'd done a rant. Uh, I would say a month or two ago when you said it's hard to be a conspiracy theorist when you're right. And I think your rant was titled Conspiracy Theorist or Realist, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so true. Um, I know that your tagline on the show uh, could easily be, I don't want to be right, because often you don't want to be right, but you often are proven right. Yeah. And once again, I mean, Canadian common sense is being proven right. I mean, it's, it, and it's unbelievable that it's taken a year for the mainstream media to catch up on a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? It's really sad because, I mean, because most people still rely on mainstream media. And, and yet most people are not getting a full story because of that. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And, um, We'll actually wrap up with, speaking of the full story, now, Justin Trudeau, you had sent me this article, I think it was a couple weeks ago, that Justin Trudeau is quietly trying to make some changes to the Elections Act to allow for mail-in ballot changes so that they don't necessarily have to show up on Election Day just as long as they're close. 
Yeah. And, and I think I've always, and I've said this on the show before, if, if one party is pushing and pushing hard for certain uh, changes to be made to the Elections Act, you really got to question why, especially if the other parties don't agree or if if uh, a party on the opposite side of the, you know, of the of the political spectrum really is pushing against it, you've got to ask why. And uh, when you're when you're when you're pushing for changes that make it easier to have uh elections fraud i mean it's because that's what this is then i mean it's it's not a good situation and it's not something that we should agree to have in our country because you i I mean i really i I actually quite like the canadian election system right now the the paper balloting the counting like you count each ballot because it's on paper there's no computers counting them there's no you know punch cards there's none of this bs stuff that happens in the states where they always have problems every election they have they have problems and they have uh uh, accusations being thrown around i like the fact that our elections are on paper and they should remain that way and they should remain with id voter id and uh and we shouldn't be accepting mail-in ballots like Four days after the election. No, we look at the uh, absolute disaster that the Newfoundland election was when they decided, what was it, the day before the vote that, oops, we're shutting down polling stations and let's get you some mail-in ballots and we'll do this again in a month. And if they try that federally, and I think Justin Trudeau would love that because he saw what happened in Newfoundland and he saw that there was only there was less than 50% voter turnout. He'd love that. And I wouldn't. I mean, I'm already convinced that Justin Trudeau will win the next federal election, whether yeah. it's a minority or majority. I'm, I'm convinced he's still going to win. But if we allow this to happen with mail-in balloting being the main method of, of voting... We're screwed. Yeah, and uh, and I agree with you. Like, I mean, did you see? Did you see the federal government this week? They they made a. Uh, I think it was the the conservatives. No, I can't remember. It was the opposition parties. Anyway, I'm, they might have done it together. They 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 passed a motion in the house to that stated that the liberals should do everything in their power to avoid an election during a pandemic, which is basically over people. And um, the liberals tried to get it changed, tried to change the wording of the, of it to read that all parties should do everything in their power to avoid an election. And um, you are the governing party. It's your responsibility. But yeah, uh, it, it's I don't know. It's kind of a, a silly, a silly thing to to pass. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, if 
I mean, I, I understand what they're trying to accomplish, which is that the liberals shouldn't try to do anything drastic because that'll trigger, uh, you know, the government being voted uh, down, like the, the government will fall to a confidence motion. But I mean, this is the, the pandemic is basically over for most of the country and it's and it's on its way out. I mean, BC is just we've we've announced that by September we are done. Like we will be fully open by September 15th. 100% no restrictions. Masks are going to be optional after July 1st. It's like we're done. And I mean I, I'm I'm sorry Alberta and Manitoba, but the rest of the country we're done. And uh, so I, I and I mean, there's been elections, there's been provincial elections during the pandemic, and they went off fine, except for Newfoundland. Yeah, so that's right. I, I don't understand what, what the whole point of this was. But well, you do understand is, the point, but it's uh, what just frustrating why they're doing it. Yeah, it's stupid. Yep, it totally time, is. Time could, time could have been better spent on other things. Let's put it that way. Yep, that's absolutely true. And that's probably a good place to wind the show up. And we'd love it if our government could actually spend some of the time they have left before the summer recess, which is coming soon, to actually do something productive. But we know that's not going to happen because we're too focused on Aaron O'Toole having a beer brought to him by his wife. Chew on that one, Canada, and we'll talk again next week. Uh, until then, it's Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. <laughs>